All right, so uh, Stevens is going to talk to us about the psalm, so welcome here, Stevens. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here this morning. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here this morning. Uh, I've, <coughs> I've got somewhat of a long times with, long times with baby. I used to be uh, actually a youth pastor at Rex Alliance Church, uh, so... When we had quiz meets, our youth versus your youth, there was a lot of, you were there, I was the guy with the whistle, uh, knowing everybody, so it's, it's great to be here uh, at Bayview, as, as you heard, I'm just uh, down the street now, I'm at the People's Church, in the capacity of Congregational Life Pastor. Um, as you've just heard, I am originally born and raised uh, in Montreal, and it's been uh, a great a whirlwind to be actually here in Toronto. My wife and I are from Montreal. We've got two kids. Uh, our son, Jaden, is nine, and our daughter, Sabrina, is seven. And on a regular basis, we uh, visit Montreal. We go back to visit our family. Uh, you know, kids want to see their grandparents and cousins and aunties and all those things. So we used to have a good time uh, when we go back. And I remember about uh, four, just over four years ago, we went, we went home for Christmas. So we went to see uh, the family, and the kids had a great time, Christmas gifts and all that kind of stuff. Of course, they get uh, completely spoiled by their grandparents. Then we came back to Toronto. I remember that night when I came back, my mom was telling me that my brother was not feeling well. So I'm like, okay, my brother's not feeling well. No biggie. I had a hockey game that night, went to play hockey. Uh, and I remember when I came out of my hockey game, I got a call from my aunt. And at the time, my aunt uh, didn't call me quite often. And I remember exactly where I was. I was right on Leslie and the 401, just by the IKEA there. And I was driving, and my aunt tells me that your brother's gone. And I'm like, oh, where, where did he go? And she said, no, your brother's gone. And just like that, um, all of a sudden, I lost my only sibling. My brother, at the time, was 36 years old. Uh, that morning, he wasn't feeling too well, uh, went to a clinic. And when he got to the clinic, he told him, sorry, sir, we're full. Please come back tomorrow. Uh, so that night, uh, still wasn't feeling well. At one point, he had some chest pain, uh, pressed the panic button in his alarm system. The firefighters came in, uh, trying to bring, bring him back to life. He went in and out seven times. Um, and just on that day, December 27, 2001, I lost my only sibling. He had a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in his lungs, um, and he was gone just like that. And I remember wrestling with God during that season, asking God, God, really, like, why would this happen? Why would a a young man with two young kids who were one and five at the time, why would you uh, just uh, take him like that? And if we're honest with ourselves, we all go through situations where we, we, we feel like we want to shake our fists at God. Whether we lost a job, whether it's a physical illness, whether it's some financial crisis, whether it's uh, something in our family, we all go through situations where we, we want to yell at God. And uh, I was raised in a context where you don't ask God questions. And if God does something, you just take it from him. I remember wrestling with that. Like, how could I be in a relationship with God where I cannot talk to him, talk to him and I cannot ask questions? And when we go through situations like that, how do we relate to God? Or do we relate to God? And a simple glimpse at the book of Psalms tells us yes. The Psalms invites us to relate to God in times like these. And today we'll examine Psalm 13, where we'll see how David invites us to relate to God in uh, our times of pain. Psalm 13 is uh, is a psalm of lament, and I know that you've been going through a series, and uh, your last few preachers, I've, I've listened to their sermons, have, uh, there's been this weave of, the, of this thread of allowing ourselves to come to God with our pain. 
So if you're here this morning, maybe this will be a, a reminder for you. Maybe it'll be uh, something. But I really believe that God wants to speak to us this morning. Because I, I actually selected some even before I listened to all uh, the series. And I realized that there's, they're, they're all connected. The, the Psalms of, of Lament are Psalms that, that invite us to, to open ourselves to God. Sometimes they, they make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. They, they say things that we're not sure are, are okay to be said out loud. They ask questions sometimes that we don't dare ask a God. Let me give you a few examples. Psalm 10 verse 1 says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 42 verse 9. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? Psalm 88 verse 13 and 14. I cry to you for help, O Lord. Why do you reject me forever? And when I, I read some of these verses, there's something in me that says, David, you, you can't say that. You can't talk like that to God. Don't you know that you're more than a conqueror? Don't you know that if God is for you, who can be against? Like, you feel like saying all those little cliches that we try to use to comfort people in times of need. Yet we realize that they all fall short. See, the reality is such psalms get in touch with the pain inside that we're not always eager to engage Yet they've been put in God's word to teach us how to lament and to inspire to actually pray our pain, which is the title of the message today, how to pray your pain. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 13, Bible devices, whatever you have, uh, and I will uh, read for you Psalm 13. To the choir master of Psalm of David, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Father, we come before you and as we open your word, we pray that you will speak to us. And as a result, Lord, we'll have a better picture of who you are. We thank and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, amen. Psalm 13 can be divided in uh, three parts, where uh, David pours his heart out to God, where he pleads with God, and he ends up by praising God. Let's focus on the first part, where D David pours his heart out to God. He says, uh, verse 1, how long, O Lord? And we're not exactly sure what David is going through here. We're not exactly sure what's going on in his mind. Maybe he's being pursued by the enemies. Maybe he's had some sort of physical illness. And maybe um, uh, something is not working well in his household. But he's asking God, how long? It's been a while. I'm getting sick and tired of it. How long will I be in this situation? Is it one week, two weeks, a month? Because often we ask two questions. When going through uh, times of pain and times of trouble, we ask two questions. How long and why? Because if we can get a, a little bit of a grasp, if we get an, an, an idea of how long this will last and why this is happening, we might have a, a better idea of how to cope with what we're going through. That being said, this, this waiting period is not unusual when you take a simple glimpse throughout scriptures. The Bible tells us uh, that Abraham waited 25 years before he got his promised son. His son Isaac waited 20 years before he got his children. 
Joseph was 13 years in prison before he went up to the palace. Moses waited 80 years before he was able to deliver the people uh, out of Egypt into the promised land. See, often we interpret God's delay as being God's denial, which is not necessarily the case. David continued by asking, will you forget me forever? See, all throughout the Bible, when God remembers, it's because he's just about to intervene. He remembered Noah, therefore he dried the waters. He remembered Abraham, therefore he rescued Lot. He remembered Rachel, therefore he opened her rooms. He remembered Moses, and then he intervened and rescued them for the enemy. See, when the Bible uses language of remembering, it's not as if God forgot and all of a sudden, oh yeah, right. No, no, no. It's, it's a human language to let us know that he's about to intervene. He's about to do something. So when David is saying here, God, you are forgetting me. What David is saying, God, you're not in action in my life. You're not acting in my life. Where are you? What's going on? on and this is often when we ask those questions God what about me how come my friend got a promotion and I can barely get a job what about me how come my friend is getting married and I can't get a I can't get a man or a girlfriend what about me I've been praying to get a child and here they are they just had triplets God what about me those are often those kind of questions that we ask God. It feels like God has gone on vacation. He's completely ignoring us. David continues by pouring out his heart. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? Again, uh, when we look at scripture, God's face is often a symbol of God's blessing. When Aaron, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the priest, wanted to bless the people of Israel, this is how he blessed with Numbers uh, 6, in Numbers 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So God's face is a symbol of God's blessing. So if God is hiding his face from him, what David is saying, I feel like I'm cursed. I feel that nothing that I'm doing is working out. I feel like I'm completely alone. I'm cast away. God, it seems like you're playing hide and go seek with me. And right now you're the one that's hiding it and I can't find you. See, it's okay if, if I didn't see your hands at work, if you're not acting, but at least, at the very least, let me feel your presence. God, where are you? Now, let's, let's get our facts straight. See, David knows in his head that God is always there, that God will never abandon his own. David knows that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. That being said, when we're going through uh, times of trouble, his feelings seem to call that truth in questions. And if David was here right now, would he say, oh, David, uh, you shouldn't be saying that. Oh, David, maybe David, brother David is backsliding right now. Shall, shall we pray for David? No, we probably wouldn't say that. See, when we are going through dark, dark times, we often say things that express how we feel, but may not necessarily be correct theologically. That being said, they express what's going on on the inside. 
You know, we might say, you know, where is God? God is probably gone. There's no hope for me. I mean, if God was good, all this stuff wouldn't happen. We, we, we express ourselves in such a way. Sadly, we, we're not even safe in our Christian community to say those things. Because often when we say those things, if we dare say those things in a Christian community, some well-meaning Christian will come to us and take us to Sunday school, and it will make his goal to actually correct us and rebuke us. This is God's will, and, you know, God knows what he's doing, and all things work for good. That being said, this is not the time for those things. We don't want to hear those things. I remember when uh, we had a miscarriage a few years ago. This person came up to us and, again, well-meaning. So, you know, this was a trial run. Next time you'll get it right. And, you know, cliches like that, all they do is this causes us to shut down. When people share from a deep place of pain, let's use our discernment how we respond to them. Because often the best thing to do is actually to be quiet and to journey with them. And we can see that in the book of Job. Job was going through a rough time, lost, lost actually everything, his wife, his, everything he had, he completely lost. And the best thing that his friends did is they came to him and for one week they did not say a word. As soon as they opened their mouth and went downhill from there. And, and Job was probably venting, saying some of those things that he was feeling. And his friends all throughout the book of were trying to rebuke him. And he says something that I believe is key for us to understand when people are going through a hard time. In, in Job 6 verse 26, he says this. Do you think that you can reprove words when the speech of this perg man is wind? You know, when I'm going through hard times, the things that I say are just words for the wind. The, the wind will take him and it will blow away. Don't worry about correcting me. Don't worry about, you know, giving me all your dis dissertation. No, no, just walk, be quiet and walk with me. Journey with me. Allow me to express myself. This is not the time for you to come and, and, and give me your, your theological positions, your five-point sermon. Allow me to express myself. And this is exactly what David is doing in the psalm. His lament intensifies and overcome with doubt, he cries out, How long must I take counsel in my soul? You know, when you're not feeling well physically and you're trying to take, you go to bed, you're kind of tossing and turning, you can't find the right position. This is a similar idea that's happening in, in David's mind. Right now, it's as if there, there's a wrestling match. He's tormented by, by all these thoughts. You know, if, 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 does God exist? Is God good? If God is good, why, why is all this happening to me? You know what? Maybe it's me. Maybe I don't have enough faith. You know what? If I had more faith, maybe I wouldn't be in what I'm, you know, I sinned. Yeah, you know, I'm so stupid. This is why this is happening to me. Like all these thoughts are going on in his mind. And this downward spiral is not merely intellectual one, but it actually escalates to a deeper level. He continues by saying, and have sorrow in my heart all day. I mean, it's, you, you can have, you, you can wrestle with God in your mind, but when it gets into your heart, that's when you know that it's deep and it's serious. Some of you may know Tommy Dorsey. Tommy Dorsey is uh, known as one of the fathers of gospel music. He used to be a very successful jazz musician playing all over the place. Um, and eventually his life uh, fell apart. He uh, gave his life to Christ, uh, got married, and uh, after taking a, a while to focus on Christ, he actually picked up his instruments again and started leading and, and creating many songs that we actually now sing today. And at one point, uh, his wife was pregnant, so he got all excited. That morning, he went to play uh, in a meeting in St. Louis, left Chicago, went to play in St. Louis. 
And after he was done playing, a little boy came up to him and gave him a telegram. And the telegram read this, your wife is dead. So he flew back home right away to find his wife dead. That being said, she had given birth to a little boy. So he was kind of torn between this, this joy and this grief. Yet that same night, the little boy passed away. And Tommy Dorsey buried his wife and his daughter and his son in the same casket. And as I was listening to the news this week, I couldn't help but think about what's happening in Calgary right now with that little girl, Talisha. Those are serious heart sorrows of heart that people have. And some of us may be going through a few situations like that. Maybe you haven't lost somebody, but you know what it's like to, to be hurting at a place that's deep within. You don't even want to come to church on Sunday. Because all they do is sing happy songs, and that is not where you're at. Your heart is heavy. You understand this, this deep sorrow of heart that David is feeling. And the final blow to David's situation is that um, he says, How long shall my enemy be exalted over him? His enemies seem to have the upper hand. And when you look at the book of Psalms, there's, always, there's often this triangle between God, the author, in this case David, and the enemy. There's often this, this resting match going on between the three of them. And maybe uh, God seems to have forgotten about him. Therefore, um, his enemies seem to be lifted and they're, they're gaining grounds on him. And that's why he's hurting his heart. He's, he's troubled all over the place. And if you think that, you know what, what you're going through right now is abnormal, let me remind you that David is the man after God's own heart. David is the king of Israel. David is the leader of Israel. Yet he takes the time to, to pour out his heart. He takes the time to, to completely lash out and unleash everything that's within. Despite everything that he's going through, it did not, uh, co- he did not cover up his soul when his soul went into a dark night. And neither should we. Because often we try to, to keep it in. And when we keep it in, it only comes out in, 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 in destructive ways. Whether we start lashing out at people and you stab your toe and you start yelling at people and you start crying out. Um, or th- those are all uh, things that happen when you keep it in. Or maybe you're hurting so much that you're trying to find a boost. You're trying to find something that will uh, give you energy, that will give you a sense of life. And maybe you'll turn to porn. Maybe you'll turn to shopping. Maybe you'll turn to eating. Maybe you'll turn to, to, to working. You'll turn to things that will hopefully give you a, a sense of life and a little boost. You see, in David's case, David's case, even though he, know, he says that God forgot about him, that God hides his face, that he's resting in the start and he has uh, sorrows in his heart, even though the enemy is triumphing, David still goes to God. He still cries out to God. The very fact that he's going to God in prayer demonstrates his faith that he has towards God. And David isn't the only one in scriptures. That cries out to God. All throughout scriptures we see uh, Moses, Isaiah, many people cry out to God. Jesus ultimately is our model. He cries out to God. The Bible tells us that he spent 40 days in the wilderness. Don't you think that during that time he was opening himself and he was crying out to God? On the night before he was betrayed... The Bible says that he was there and he, and he says he, the disciples were, were, were far off and he was sweating. This is how much intense it was. He was sweating blood. And he says, God, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. 
Eventually, he was led to the cross, and it's as if he takes his cues from David because he quotes Psalm Psalm 22 when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He prays his pain towards God. And he models for us what it's like to, to pour out our pain towards God and to pray our pain toward God and inspires us to do so. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who, is, who has gone to the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly the faith to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He understands what, he's, what we're going through. He has suffered. He knows what it feels like to be abandoned. He knows what it feels like to be rejected. He knows what it feels like to, to lose people. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He understands. He invites us to come and to touch him, to touch this person who understands what we're going through. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, one, one of the things that we have in common is that when we're going through hard times, we all want people to journey with us. We want, something, we want to journey with somebody that understands, somebody that can relate to what we're going through. And this is what Jesus is inviting us to right now. Because he understands But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. He doesn't go, he didn't go to uh, those things to give a sense of like, no, he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I don't know about you, but I know that when I'm going through a hard time, I am in desperate need of God's mercy and God's grace because I often say stupid things and I do stupid stuff. I often walk away from God even at times. I need his grace and I need his mercy. See, I was taught that when you pray, you uh, close your eyes, you put your hands together, and if you want to be super spiritual, you, you get on your knees. Yet when I look at this psalm, this is not how David is praying. It's as if he had a, a foreknowledge of Psalm uh, of Hebrews 14, or Hebrews 4, sorry, where it tells it and invites us to come boldly. And after he's, he's poured his heart to God, now he's starting to plead with God. It's as if he seizes God by the collar and starts pleading with, pleading with him. Consider and answer me. Look at me and answer me. Answer my, my how longs. Answer me. Give me an answer to everything that I'm, that I'm worried about. See, his lamentation is a journey towards God, not a final destination. The, goal, the point of pouring out your heart is not just so that you could get it. No, no, but it's to connect with God. So he says, answer me, O Lord, this, this covenant God. This, this is the name that God gave to the people of Israel when he made this covenant God. O Lord, you're not just their God. You're not just the God of Israel. You're not just the God of Abraham. You're not just the God of Jacob, but you are my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. You know, when you look at somebody's eyes, you have a good idea of how they're feeling. When you look at this set of eyes here on the screen, you know that that person is hurting. You're not exactly sure what has happened, but you know they're not feeling well. You know, people have said that the eyes, the window of the soul, well, you know that this person's soul is not in a good condition. So when David is saying, you know, uh, light up my eyes, maybe he's saying, you know what, restore me physically. Bring my health back, because right now I'm hurting, I'm going through some sort of illness, uh, restore me. He may be saying that. 
But I also believe that David is asking for more than that. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Lucas uh, spoke on Psalm 3, verse 3. And he zeroed in on uh, verse 3 in Psalm 3, which says this. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. And when he talked about God being the lifter of his head, he said that he was, uh, David was asking God for perspective. God was lifting David's head so that David could get perspective on what he was going through. You see, in the midst of what we're going through, we often ask God to take us out of a situation. Or we often ask God to actually change the situation. But I believe that we desperately need his perspective in the midst of our situation. That we need his eyes. We need to look at things the way he looks at them. And this is why it's so crucial to draw closer to him when we're going through hard times. Because he desires to lift our heads. He desires to give light to our eyes so that we can see things from his perspective. And if I were to ask you this, how does God give perspective? How does God give light to our eyes? How does God give us his perspective on what we're going through? Talk to me. Okay, let me teach you something. Where I'm from, when I ask a question, I expect an answer. Okay? So let's try that again. So how does God give us perspective in the midst of what we're going through? How does he shine his light, give us a sense of lift our heads in what we're going through? Talk to me. Through his word. Thank you very much. One of the ways that he does that is through his word. As we spend time in his word, he, 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 he brings up, because his word is alive, right? He brings out his word so that we get a sense of what's going on in our lives. Yes, thank you very much. What are some other ways? Through, through other people. Give me two seconds. I'll get back to your girlfriend. I'll get back. Give me two seconds. Through other people. Okay, yes. As we are in fellowship, as we are connected with other people. I mean, how often have you met with somebody and they said something and boom. It made sense. Yeah, through other people, as we get together with other people. Yes, what was that? Yeah, yeah, he gives us, a, he illuminates our mind is what he says. He gives us a sense that, you know, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, the penny drops and it makes sense. Yes. What are some other ways that God gives us perspective? What was that, sorry? Yeah, he gives you a sense of peace. As you're going through certain situation. There are many ways that God actually gives us a sense of perspective through his word, through other people, through um, a Bible study. Hence why I really encourage you to be involved in a life group or a small group. I'm not sure how you call them here. But in a group where you, you wrestle with God's word. Because it's not about like only what you're going to get out of it. But how maybe God will use you to actually help somebody else. So we need to make sure that we avail ourselves of all the ways that God wants to bring a light to our eyes. Because eventually, that will lead us to what David says in uh, verse 5 and verse 6. You see, verse 5 and verse 6, they're not just an attack on at the end that David says, you know, I'm going through a hard time. God, how long? I'm hurting and all that kind of stuff. But I'm a Christian, therefore I need to be more than a conqueror, and I will trust in the Lord. And I will. That, that, that's not what the verse 5 and verse 6 is. Often we want to bypass that process. We don't want to spend the time to, to pour our heart and to plead with God. Yet we want to claim the promises of verse 5 and verse 6. 
See, we all have relationships. We've gone through relationships where there seems to be something between you and the other person, where the air is not clear, something has happened, or there's something that's there, it's on the table, nobody wants to talk about. It's a little bit of an elephant in the room. And unless you, you put it out on the table and you deal with it, um, the, the relationship is not the same. Similarly, in a love relationship with God, it's the exact same way. When you're heavy and you have all these things, you need to put them out clear there so that you, you could be reacquainted with God. That will only happen as you, you pour your heart and you plead with them. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you pour and you plead, boo, praise. That's not what I'm saying at all. But as you, you pour your heart and, and you plead with God, at one point something will happen. It's, it's not something that David can write or I can even uh, tell you. It's not something that's describable per se. But it, it's as if like, there, there's an understanding that happens. I remember when uh, my brother passed away. I, we all went to Montreal back for the funeral. And then my family came back because the kids had to go to school. And I stayed back for an extra a week or two because we had to deal with a, a whole bunch of issues. And I remember taking the bus back to Toronto, probably like a five or six hour drive uh, bus ride. And when I got into that bus, I'm telling you, friends, I lost it. I lost it. I just started crying and crying, and it was coming out of everywhere. My eyes, Lord, and it was just ugly. And I remember um, after like what seemed like a two or three hours of, of me trying to wipe my tears and everything, I, I, I took my pen and my journal and I started journaling and I started journaling and I started asking God questions and, and all those why and how long and how come and why and why now and this. And I was just like, <laughs> I just laid it all out. And I don't know how to say this, but, but something happened. It was, it's as if like I, I, I connected with God at a, little, at, at a deeper level. It was not just a, a head, but it's, it was some sort of a heart-to-heart -heart connection that happened right there. And my circumstance didn't change. My brother was still gone. That being said, I experienced God in a way that I hadn't before. See, David wanted God's hand. David wanted God to act and to move. But what he really needed was a, a deeper heart-to-heart -heart connection with God. See, the experience is universal. Everybody will go through it at some point or another. And that's how God works at times. That we think that we need uh, an aspect of God, but deep down God knows our real needs. I remember when my son was teething, um, he was crying. You try everything that the books say, you know, ice and blah, 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 and had his head in his mouth the whole time. I remember taking him into my, my arms, like, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. And he stopped crying. I think he was still in pain. I think he was still hurting, but there was a connection that happened. And it, I feel like as we mature in a Christian lives, we stop crying out to God because now we're mature and we're more than conquerors and we need to, you know, have it all together. And we start crying and we, 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 we um, what's the word I'm looking for? On, on our pitch, we, we prevent this heart connection from happening with God. 
See, through this psalm, David is inviting us to cry out to God. He thought that he was forgotten by God, that God had left him. But he realized, no, 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 God has not forgotten about me. And it's only after we've, we've poured out our heart and after we've pled with him that praise will rise. And it's not something that will happen automatically. It's not something that, you know, if you do these two things, boom. That, no, but at some point, it may take a month, it may take a year. But praise will rise. At the end of the first service, a lady came up to me. Uh, and she says, you know, my name is, what's the name? It, LV? LV. LV Craig. Um, she has terminal cancer, uh, not looking good. And says, you know, yesterday I did exactly what you talked about today. I was just crying out to God, and I laid it all out, and I was really upset. Her husband has Lou Gehrig's disease. And she said she just laid it out. And I said, this morning I woke up with a song in my head. Which is exactly what David is saying here. He concludes by saying, uh, verse 5 and 6, But I have trusted in your, in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He knows that God is a God of love. He knows that God um, will never leave him or forsake him. Now he has experienced that love of God. And the heart that was full of sorrow is now a heart that rejoices. See, has David's circumstances changes, changed? Probably not. Did the enemy stop coming after him? Somewhat unlikely. But what changes his perspective and the condition of his heart? He realized that God has not forgotten about him. Therefore, he says, I will sing to the Lord because he had dealt bountifully with me. He remembers all the time that God has been good to him. You know, when he was fighting the bear, God was good with him. When he was fighting the lion, God was good with him. When his brothers were bugging him, God was good with him. When Goliath came, God was good with him. And he's saying to his head, you know, if God was good with me then, God will continue to be good to me now. I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. Early on, I talked to you about uh, Tom, Tommy Dorsey and how uh, that, that one day he buried his wife and his son in the same casket. And after uh, that episode happened, he was done. He was done with music. He was done with God. He um, literally went through a, a dark season. And at one point, a friend uh, took him and led him to a piano. And as he sat down on the piano, this melody came together and this song came together right there and then. Because this friend knew that he, that's how he connected with God. That's when the heart-to-heart connection happened. And if you know this song, sing it with me. Those are the words that came out of his mouth. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak. I'm born through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. Shortly after he said this, I learned that when we are in our deepest grief, 
we feel the farthest, when we feel the farthest from God, this is when he is the closest and when we are the most open to restoring power. Let me say that again. I learned that when we are in our deepest grief, when we feel the farthest from God, this is when he is the closest and when we are most open to his restoring power. See, in many ways, <clears throat> Psalm 13 is, is a universal psalm that we can all relate to. In it, we see how dirty we can be and how painful our heart can, can, can be. Yet God values all of who we are, not just our heads, not just our hand, but he values every single one of our pain. And he invites us not to waste our pain, but to go with him. He validates what we're going through by actually putting these stories in the Bible. And he tells us we have the freedom to relate with them. God is a big boy. He can take it. You can shake your fist at him. He's a big boy. He can take it. He actually invites you to do so. See, I'm not sure uh, what you're going through. I'm not sure what's going on in your life, whether um, it's some sort of physical illness like uh, this lady shared with me after the end of the first service. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe you're having a problem with one of your child. I'm not sure what you're going through. But may I invite you to pray your pain and to plead with God. And maybe uh, you're here and you're saying, Stevens, I mean, you don't know me. Uh, I've already done this and it doesn't work. And you're completely right. I don't fully understand what you're going through. That being said, may I invite you to continue to journey to the cross. And as you continue to journey to the cross, my prayer is that you will connect with the heart of God. That you will connect with Jesus who has gone before you. There will be a tool in your prayer wall on your website that will help you to pray your pain. And my desire is that as you pray, as you pour out your heart, and as you plead with God, at some point, at some time, maybe it'll be in a month, maybe it'll be in a year, it was overnight for a sister, that praise will rise from within. Let me pray. Father, I, uh, I come before and I thank you. I thank you that you're God who is not asking us to shove our emotions somewhere, but you invite us to bring them, put them out on the table so that you can take them and that you can uh, carry them for us. Father, I thank you that you are a God of hope. I thank you that uh, we can come to you and that you can relate to what we're going through. And Jesus, you know the hearts of my friends here and what they're going through. And I pray that in one way or another, you will connect with them. I pray, Jesus, that you will give them your perspective, that you will carry them in your arm, and that they will experience your loving embrace. I thank and I praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, 